With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 314 of the Exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage. And that's all I'm going to say for now. (laughs) So you are hearing the voice of Sage. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. It is now 8.06 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is, it's another terrific Tuesday night. And the month is June the 30th, year 2020. Twenty And where do I begin for tonight? I want to say the following. We have a special format for tonight. For tonight, the first two hours of our show will consist of real talk. So tonight's show is the real talk session on the Exceptional Scribble Show. And we're going to engage in a Q&A, which means question and answer format. So I need you to listen for everyone that calls in. Hear me well. We are going to engage in a question first and then answer format. And I need you to respectfully hold the mic, which means the following. If I say the mic is now in your hands, that means it is your turn to speak. When that mic has to be passed and handed to another person, it is now their turn to speak. We will conduct ourselves in that order. And that will be a courtesy to our callers and our listening audience because we want tonight's broadcast to go smoothly. This is the first of a series of Real Talk sessions. We will have Real Talk sessions once a month and they will consist of two hours of engaging in impactful, relevant, and meaningful dialogue. Impactful, relevant, and meaningful dialogue. So, I hope that you came tonight to gain perspective or to give input about relevant life issues. And please be aware that as for the climate, no judgment, okay? So, you can be raw, you can be prim and proper, come as you are. No judgment, all right? And no pressure. No pressure. Yes, you heard me correctly. No 
pressure. So I just wanted to put that out there now so that you're aware of what we're going to be doing tonight. It's a little different. Normally I have the exclusive interview hour from eight till nine. And then after that, immediately following the co-host, Warriorist Queens of Port Thelman, Lee facilitates her hour, which is the free publishing tips hour. And then we finalize the show having what we refer to as our open mic empowerment hour. And that's the hour for all of our literary artists, spoken word artists, rappers, poets. If art is what you're passionate about, you have the opportunity to introduce whatever you are the originator of to a to an unbiased panel. We are unbiased. We take what you give to us and we review it, we examine it, and we find from it, okay, well, what about it is helpful? What about it can be useful and how can it be implemented, implemented in a way where an audience, no matter whether they're millennials, baby booms, generation X or Y, they can embrace what you are delivering to them because it is clear and concise as well as relevant. Okay, so we're helpful in that regard. We love for artists to come that are new, that are uncut, because we want them to know that they are appreciated. The whole purpose for this show's platform is as follows. Number one, to promote literacy. Why? Because we know the more literate society is, the less people make decisions that are criminal or just not with their best interests at heart. We know that if we can provide you with the necessary resources to help you, if you indeed are an artist and you are on the path, if we can provide you with the proper supports and link you in with the proper people, you can advance far and achieve whatever goals you have. So that's why we're here. This is also a show that's a resource. We know there's too many struggling and starving artists out there. We're trying to help end that dilemma. It is a crisis that is a global crisis too. It's not just happening here in America. There are many artists that just so that they can eat, they have to create their art and sell it. They should not have to live that way. It should not be that difficult and hard. When we know people love art and art beautifies and heals our world. So I just wanted to share that as a little intro. So the real talk session is about to kick off, people. What is the meaning of real talk? I'm going to start right there. What is the meaning of real talk? Real talk is when we say things that aren't being said out loud. No wasting time, no beating around the bush. It pushes you out of hiding and encourages you to face the things you fear. Another word phrase, which could be uh, 
interchangeable with real talk would be taboo talk. Most times, real talk is taboo talk, meaning it's the it's the talk or conversation that people dare not engage in. Why? Because number one, it's revelatory. It's going to expose the things about us. And sometimes it exposes those things that we have, those skeletons in our closet that we don't want anybody to be aware of. Those hidden things, those things that are so secret, okay? We know everybody doesn't know them. And in most cases, we're not trying to be exposed like that. We're covering up and we have covers. Oh yeah, covers. Some of us, some of us, not all of us, of course, but there are many who do, they have covers. And so the person that we see is not the person we get. And the more time we spend with the individual, the more we learn, we live and learn. And sometimes we find out the person we thought we knew was a far cry, much different than the person we met. And I'm not saying this to, to provoke or agitate in a wrong way. I'm saying this to stimulate your consciousness. Yes, to raise or heighten your awareness. Because a lot of times we take people on face value and we figure, ah, oh, I know so-and-so. They would never do that. I know such and such, they would never do that. Oh no, not them. And this is what we really believe. So for tonight, we're gonna engage in real talk and I'm gonna share with you a couple of the topics that I have in mind, but listen, I wanna hear from you. So I'll start it off. But as callers, as you call in and you share with me what's pressing as far as what's a hot topic in your mind, by your opinion, we're going to cover those bases because it is essential that we have Real Talk sessions. I'm hoping that Real Talk sessions, if they are not happening in your home, in your community groups, public forums, that they begin to happen. And so on a more consistent basis, because transparency matters. When you have real talk sessions, transparency occurs. And transparency is so important. When we're talking about relationships and we're talking about how we interact, being interpersonal, social relations, public relations, okay? How we engage and interact with each other beyond 
just our four walls as for what the place we call home outside the home. It does matter. Transparency matters. And I'm going to go into defining transparency because some people may know what I'm saying. Some, maybe you don't. Transparency means openness. Communication. And another thing, which is very major, accountability. Transparency implies openness, communication, and accountability. Three essential things that will promote the health and well-being of a person, place, or thing. Longevity is hence encouraged and established. So sometimes because there's a lack of transparency, certain community factions, establishments, civic, public, Private have short lifespans. Yes, I said that. And yes, I'm not recanting my statement. Short term, on a short term basis, they exist due to a lack of transparency. When there's a lack of transparency, somebody was not accountable for their actions. They were not sincere, diligent, open, honest. Remember, in business, honesty is always the best policy. And they offended and never issued their due diligence to resolve the matter. We've got to fix what we mess up, people. This is Real Talk Session, the very first episode of this series. So yes, I'm going in strong and I'm going in deep. And I hope that this is penetrating the recesses of your mind in such a way that you're going to think on a whole other level as for practice, 
specialization and application. We can and should do better. There's no excuse worthy for us to use as to why we have not advanced. Back to defining what is the meaning of real talk. Now I'm going to go for our millennials, all right, and our younger generation, generation X and Y, okay? So generation Y would be youngest, and then you have the millennials are 18 to 35, and then we have the sandwich generation from 35 to, I think, 65, 70. or 65, and then we have, um, we're just moving up into our seniors, baby boomers, okay, baby boom generation. But what I'm saying is, as for our teenagers, this is more so a definition that best works for that group. Okay, so I'm going to share that. Real talk, what it means. It means crowdsources. Crowdsourcing. What is crowdsourcing? A lot of the older generation, maybe this is a new one for you. But crowdsourcing is the practice of obtaining information or input into a task or project by enlisting the services of a large number of people, either paid or unpaid, typically via the internet. So of course, because we're in this social media driven era, okay, and social media impacts so much of our lives now, and especially um, now because of the quarantine, most of us have been working from home, we're doing a lot more online, so crowdsourcing is very much a practice that is becoming a common practice for many. Again, crowdsourcing is a <clears throat> is a practice of obtaining information or input into a task or project by enlisting the services of a large number of people, either paid or unpaid, typically via the internet. Crowdsourcing is less expensive than hiring a professional translator. Keep that in mind. And I'm going to share that because that's a fact. And we're about, when we are engaging in real talk, yes, we can speak about what's on our minds and what's on our hearts and, you know, get very emotional. But let's keep in mind, it's facts over feelings. Crowdsourcing is less expensive than hiring a professional translator. So that would appeal more to our youth and our millennials between the ages of 18 and 35, of which we have many who are enrolled in colleges and universities. So what are they about? How can I get things done the least expensive way or most cost-effective way, all righty? So I wanted to put that out there because that's 
information is relevant, it's essential. Now, I'm going to take a mini music break, not commercial, music break. And I want you to enjoy what you're listening to. And we'll be back to continue Real Talk session. And this is the first of many in a new series launching monthly, once a month, on the Exceptional Scribble Show. We'll be from 8 till 10 p.m. once a month. And we're going to switch it around. It's on the last Tuesday this month for the month of June. But it's not going to be on the last Tuesday always. Okay? Just letting you know. Just wanted to forewarn you. Alrighty? So we're going to be treated by some jazz in the meantime, and I'll be back to continue Real Talk. Real Talk. Thank <laughs> you. 
about this month for melaninated people, okay? What is special about this month? So I'm going to share at this time some really key information that I know everybody is not aware of. But there was a proclamation, and this proclamation was given Um, It was issued on May the 29th of this year in reference to 
Black Music Tribute Month. Black Music Tribute, Tribute Month began during the month of June. Just in case anyone was not aware, I want to make certain that you're aware right now. And there's a lot of key information. A lot of key information. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows about this in particular. This is a proclamation. And this is coming from the White House, okay? And believe it or not, it's coming from our president. Donald J. Trump, the Proclamation on African-American Music Appreciation Month. And it was issued on May 29th, year 2020. And please hear all of what I'm saying. This is very key. The lyrics and melodies of African-American music have played a powerful role in defining America's unique soundscape. From the soulful streets of the Big Easy to the recording studios of Los Angeles. African-American music has shaped our American culture. During African-American Music Appreciation Month, we pay tribute to the monumental achievements of African-American artists who pioneered and evolved the blues. Jazz, gospel, rock and roll, rap, hip hop, and other iconic genres. Throughout our nation's history, African-American music has expressed the pain and suffering brought on by injustice as well as the faith and joy of the resilient American spirit. Sam Cooke's triumphant A Change Is Gonna Come gave wind to the sales of millions of African-Americans in their righteous fight for equality during the civil rights movement. The divine voice of Mahalia Jackson, the queen of gospel, helped heal our grieving nation in the days following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. At major sporting events, African-American musical icons such as Whitney Houston, Ray Charles, have, con have captivated America with striking renditions of patriotic ballads such as the National Anthem and America the Beautiful. This month, we lost the architect of rock and roll, Richard Wayne Pennyman, better known and beloved as Little Richard, who is responsible for breaking down racial barriers through the universal love of his music. He was an unforgettable entertainer, an innovator, and an American icon. Our nation mourns his passing. This month, we express our appreciation for the countless contributions of African-American singers, songwriters, and musicians whose remarkable talents continue to inspire the soul of our nation with classic guitarists, memorable hymns, and uplifting beats. The works of African-American artists undeniably represent true musical excellence. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me, 
by the Constitution and the laws of the United States do hereby proclaim June 2020 as African American Music Appreciation Month. I call upon public officials, educators, and all the people of the United States to observe this month with appropriate activities and programs that raise awareness and appreciation of African American music. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand this 29th day of May in the year of our Lord 2020 and of the independence of the United States of America, the 244th. All right, and that's signed Donald J. Trump. So, as I stated at the beginning, you just heard me share with you the proclamation on African American Music Appreciation Month for the year 2020. It was issued on May 29th, 2020, to declare the whole entire month of June. Yes, African appreciate African American music appreciation month. So let's give a hand. If we don't ever find another reason, people, we should acknowledge that our president did something to assert that yes, in terms of honor and tribute paid to the heritage of the melaninated people, the heritage of the American or those that are from America, born here, raised here, as well as those from Africa who came here. Some were brought on ships, not all. Some came and traveled freely. And we have to keep that in mind too. There were Moors that were here before the white English settlers or British settlers came and colonists came, all right? So the Moors came from Northern Africa and they arrived here and they intermingled and interacted and even intermarried with indigenous who were natives, sovereigns here, okay? So that history has not been taught in most of our schools and there's a reason for that, very divisive to not teach the whole truth about the history of a nation but I'm gonna leave that for another time, okay? But I just wanted to share the proclamation on African-American Music Appreciation Month because yes, the president did um, make that proclamation, affirmed it, it was sealed and it is delivered. And it was issued on May 29, 2020, prior to June the 1st. So we need to remember that this year it kicked Oh, I hope that you in some way pay tribute to African-American musical legends. There's so many. And yes, as it's stated in the proclamation, Little Richard, he was best known by that name as far as his entertainer name, right? But for some of us, because many didn't know what his full name was, all right? Not all knew that, and we learned that 
and I'm going to share it again. Richard Wayne Pennyman. Richard Wayne Pennyman. And they refer to him as the architect of rock and roll. And I love that. The architect of rock and roll. Because see, for so long, people would equate, I know in my generation, they would equate uh, rock and roll as originating by white America. Okay? No. No, no, no. Not at all. And we need to make a note of that. No, that's not fact. If we hear somebody saying it, we need to correct them and let them know that's not the truth. And tell them. Don't be ashamed. Tell them about Richard Wayne Pennyman, otherwise known as Little Richard. He was the architect here in America, okay? And we need to note that. A lot of times we go on misinformation because misinformation travels fast. Propaganda is misinformation. And it also sparks fear because it's not the truth, for one. And it's built on lies and superstition. You know? There's no real investigation. There's no sound evidence to confirm opinion in in such instances. And we need to be aware of that. Be very aware of that. And let's keep in mind, African... American History Month. It's February, right? But Black Music Tribute Month is June. And we need to pay tribute. Give honor to those whom honor is due. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm sure little Richard, he trailed his blaze. He trailed his blaze and he did it his way. He was his own band. Okay, he didn't need a band to pump him up. He went out there, he entertained, and he got people out of their seats and rocking and rolling and reeling. So, let us never ever forget to pay homage. Yes, to pay homage. 
We have a lot of legends that deserve our respect. There's just so many of them. And to start naming just a few, I mean, it will take some time because you want to be unbiased. You don't want to miss anybody. There's so many. I mean, they use their platform even. There's many that use their platform as an artist and a pop culture icon to promote justice, social justice, and to raise awareness for cause, for a cause that was relevant, that impacted us as a community, as well as impacted some, you know, impacted women, impacted men, okay, to raise, um, to fundraise, I remember the Farm Aid concert years ago. There were a lot of artists that were involved there because our farmers needed aid. They were struggling. Uh, they weren't getting much monetary support. There are those times when things like that happen. And artists rise to the occasion. The artist community I'm talking about rises to the occasion. So I just want people to realize tonight, again, this is a real talk session. So we're moving around, we're covering different topics, yes, within the two hours time that we have for this, but we're being transparent and we're being candid and we're being raw sometimes and we're being uncut and we're being prim and proper other times. You know, you gotta mix it up. But we want you to know there's been so much happening, not always fairness. And we need to sound the alarm on that. You know, everyone deserves to be treated fair. So right now, again, this is the Real Talk section. We're going to have another brief music break in honor of Black Music Tribute Month. Enjoy. I believe it's jazz. As for the genre of music now. Enjoy. I'm <laughs> 
Music break, and now we're going to continue on with the real talk session. Yes, real talk session. So, let me begin with saying the following when we're saying real talk session, it requires of you, it requires of me transparency. That means we've got to be an open book. In order to have this Real Talk session experience, we've got to be open. That means no sheets, no cover, okay? No cover. Um, Yes, you can take your filter and remove it. Toss it to the side for a moment because we need to be able to come as we are and open our minds and hearts, allow ourselves to be exposed. This is difficult for people, especially if you're so accustomed to wearing a mask when you go out in public. And I'm not talking about what we're doing now because of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, we're all wearing a mask, right? (laughs) Or a bandana. But if you're so accustomed to wearing a mask, meaning to um, conceal your innermost feelings and to not share what's really, how your real true feeling about something, then it's going to be a challenge for you at first. I'm empathetic towards you at this time because I've been that. I've been there. I've been, but I did it because I didn't want to be taken advantage of. 
and I felt that I was a lamb among wolves. And they're looking and they're saying fresh meat, lamb chops, yum, yum. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to eat or chew me up and spit me up. What do I do here? I wear armor. Okay, so Mr. or Mrs. Shield, you know who I'm talking about. You know it's you. I've been you too. Where you have that armor on and you're like defense, defense, defense. You're in defense mode 24-7 for the most part because you're so used to what? You see them salivating. You see them going in for the kill and you're like, I know I'm a lamb. I know they're wolves. How else am I going to survive? I got to have this thick shield up. I've got to have this armor on to protect my vitals because they're going to go for the juggler. They don't care. They don't have an ounce of compassion. So I understand you. I know you. Mr. or Mrs. Shield, or Miss or Mr. Shield. But let me explain this. The walls have to come down during real talk session for the following reason. We all are vulnerable. Every one of us, even that bully, that person that you look at and you say, they're always picking on somebody. They're always hurting somebody and making them cry and they don't care. And they always come back for more. They just don't care. Well, guess what? That's a person 90% of the times, and a psychologist or psychotherapist can confirm my words because I do study in that as well. That's usually the person that's been hurt the most. And now, they are counterproductive, not proactive, counterproductive in their responses to being hurt. So I'm going to talk to you right now, bully, whether you're a male or female, it really doesn't matter. And I'm going to say this to you. I know you're really hurting, okay? You're hurt. And you're hurt deep. You're like a dog and a lion. When they're hurt, they attack everybody and everything coming towards them. Because they are in such excruciating pain, they don't want to hurt any deeper. And that's their survival instinct that goes into play. Survival instinct. So that's how you're operating. You're, you're operating in survival mode. So you're not going to be judged tonight. Remember, I said at the beginning of the program, and it still stands, the climate of this show's environment is one of no judgment. Whenever we do our real talk session, I want everyone to know that. No judgment, but not just no judgment, no judgment and 
no pressure. So you are in no way being pressured to think a certain way or to do things a certain way. I want you to know that right up front. That is not what's happening here. You are free. You are free to think the way you think, to respond the way you respond, to behave the way you behave. Just note this, because this is a real talk session, transparency validates you and me. If there is no transparency, I don't care what we do or say, it's not valid. It's like no dough, no show. You come to, to a theater, you don't have the ticket, you don't have the money to pay to see the performance, no show. Well, that's the way it is. No transparency, no go. You're not getting the green light tonight. You're not. That might hurt. That might sting a little. But think about it. I'd rather you hurt and sting a little than to carry on and folly with a false humility and believing yourself to be right when you're not. I really do care. I'm saying that from a very sincere soul. I really do care. And I want you to get the best out of tonight that you can. I don't want you to just get what everybody else got. I don't want you to get a copy of something. I want you to get your own original healing experience and to know that you got it well. Sometimes it's okay to be by yourself to reflect and refer. Reflect and refer. Not to gloat. Not to drink in excess and then after it's over, you're belligerent and you don't even remember what you said or what you did. That's not cool. That's not proactive. So it damn sure ain't pro. They love that. Giving everybody a time to kind of say lie. Because a lot of things have been shared and spoken. We need to say lie. That goodness. Say lie, say lie, say lie it.
So in the meantime, before we move on to some new fresh topics of discussion, and we're going to get some more calls, callers to come in, we're going to take another music break. I want you to relax and recline and get your favorite refreshing drink at this time, okay? Get your favorite refreshing drink, and let's do this moment of real talk a little more intimately, okay? I want you to get a little more comfortable. I don't bite, and I'm sure you don't. Um, and if you have anything pressing on your mind that's relevant, a relevant life issue, okay, subject matter for us to engage in impactful, meaningful, and relevant dialogue, then let's go. When we come back, I'm giving you the green light. And we're going to engage in Q&A, question and answers. All righty. Now for our music break. My hips invite you. My mouth like wine. Oh, little girl am I. A one who has money to buy. What do they call me? My name is Sweet Rain. My name is Sweet of Miss Nina Simone and the song For Women here on WRTI 90.1. Getting things started here on Late Evening Jazz. Ryan Gottlieb is my name filling in for Ms. Blue tonight. I'll be with you up until the midnight hour. The usual great mix of old and new jazz. Well, here are jazz uh, cut from the jazz album of the week coming from bassist and vocalist Avery Sharp. And throughout the program tonight, Music of Johnny Mandel, composer and arranger of popular songs, music from films, and of course, jazz. 
passing away yesterday, yesterday at the age of 94. So again, Johnny Mandel will be hearing music from him throughout the next few hours. Again, that was Nina Simone with four women kicking off late evening jazz. Just about six minutes after the hour, 77 degrees on the main campus of Temple University. And I just mentioned Johnny Mandel, so why don't we get to one right away? One that you are probably very familiar with called Suicide is Painless, or you might simply know it as a theme from MASH, the film and TV show MASH. Let's hear the version from Janice Amajamal, Johnny Mandel's theme for MASH, right here on WRTI. I'm <laughs> 
at night and of course that was some easy listening jazz a little sophisticated at times you know jazz is that and so much more but it was quite soothing would you not say so alrighty so I uh, again you are tuning into what's called the Real Talk Session, and we're going to be engaging in some more in-depth details. We got so much um, 
to share tonight. And I want to welcome, welcome, um, welcome. Is this Warrioress Queen Zipporah Thelman? Yes, it is. I am on the throne. Oh, Even though I said I wasn't going to be able to, so I decided to uh, pull a Michael B. Jordan on you at Creed 2. <laughs> no problem. Actually, we're still doing our real talk session, so you're in time to engage in some real talk because real talk is so important. I was sharing with everyone. Um, the more we have these real talk sessions, the better we become because it enables us to display or exemplify transparency. And due to a lack of transparency, we're finding a lot is failing, whether it be in business or in government. And transparency is so very key as for establishing positive relations in terms of public relations, social engagement, social interpersonal relations, and et cetera. So, Every month, it'll be one Tuesday every month, we'll have a real talk session, which will be two hours of, and I share with everyone, it's a time where we will gain perspective. Uh, we will share and give input about relevant life issues. It's also a climate of no judgment and no pressure because we care that everyone heals well, because we're all scarred. We've all been scarred, especially those that are of the population who are the underserved, the those that have been disenfranchised, discriminated against. We bear a lot of marks and a lot of scars, some of which, or a lot of which we have inherited because our ancestors were mishandled and mistreated here in this land. So it's important that we have real talk sessions so that we can discuss those life issues, those relevant life issues that impact us and try and find, well, what are the solutions? Okay, we're not just going to highlight what the troubles are. You know, I'm sure we all know that song, that real old uh, song, Nobody Knows the Troubles I've Seen, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not trying to go there, per se, and just start unpacking a lot of emotional baggage. And No, no, no. We're taking it on the high road perspective. We're saying, yes, we've been this, we've been that, we've been the other. However we can still heal from that. Meaning we can get better. We don't have to be bitter because we endured these afflictions. We can become better. And here are ways that we are. We want to focus on, well, how are we improving from what was done to us? How have we taken lemons and made lemonade? from these sour tasting experiences that we've had. So um, I wanted us to start, I did start off with sharing, there was a proclamation on African-American Music Appreciation Month. And this proclamation was done by number 45, our president, okay? And <laughs> I was a bit impressed 
because I'm sure someone else wrote this. You know, I'm sure it wasn't him because <laughs> it was just so right. It was just, it was just so positive. Okay, and um, the way he heralded the African American music <laughs> legend and acknowledged um, the late Little Richard. I mean, come on, we know somebody of color uh, working within his staff who is his speechwriter, of course. Uh, handled this and they did a fine job and and it was done on the 29th it was issued on the 29th of may from the white house and i just thought it would be good because this is the last day for the month of june which is black music tribute month to read the proclamation and to just get you know a sense of a response from our listeners of what they thought about it so what I'm going to do since you're on now and I didn't get a chance to read it uh, for you, I'm going to read it. And then if you can just give some feedback, what are your thoughts? Okay. So I'm going to read it. Now. All right. All right. And it says the lyrics and melodies of African-American music have played a powerful role in defining America's unique soundscape from the soulful streets of the big easy to the recording studios of Los Angeles African-American music has shaped our American culture. During African-American Music Appreciation Month, we pay tribute to the monumental achievements of African-American artists who pioneered and evolved the blues, jazz, gospel, rock, and roll, rap, hip-hop, and other iconic genres. Throughout our nation's history, African-American music has expressed the pain and suffering brought on by injustice, as well as the faith and joy of the resilient African spirit. <laughs> I'm sorry, American spirit. <laughs> Sam Cooke's triumphant, a change is gonna come, gave win to the cells of millions of African-Americans in their righteous fight for equality during the civil rights movement. The divine voice of Mahalia Jackson, the queen of gospel, helped heal our grieving nation in the days following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. At major sporting events, African-American musical icons such as Whitney Houston and Ray Charles have captivated America with striking renditions of patriotic ballads such as the national anthem and America the Beautiful. This month, we lost the architect of rock and roll, Richard Wayne Pennyman, better known and beloved as Little Richard, who is responsible for breaking down racial barriers through the universal love of his music. He was an unforgettable entertainer, an innovator, and an American icon. Our nation mourns his passing. This month, we express our appreciation for the countless contributions of African-American singers, songwriters, and musicians whose remarkable talents continue to inspire the soul of our nation. With classic guitar riffs, memorable hymns, and uplifting beats, the works of African-American artists undeniably represent true musical excellence. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority invested in me, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2020 as African American Music Appreciation Month. 
I call upon public officials, educators, and all the people of the United States to observe the month with appropriate activities and programs that raise awareness and appreciation of African-American music. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand this 29th day of May in the year of our Lord, 2020, and of the independence of the United States of America, the 244. Signed, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> so I just want to hear from you, Warriors Queen. What are your thoughts after hearing that proclamation signed by Donald J. Trump? What are your thoughts? All right, first of all, I have to laugh along with you because a proclamation, it sounded like he added or renewed, you know, some more to something that was already in place. June was already, you know, um, you know quote unquote, African American uh, Music Month. So he's trying to, you know, put his little um, two cents in. Uh-huh. And then yeah, second. <laughs> I don't want to laugh because it sounds like he's making fun, you know, of you know, the June being, you know, the music month, or, you know, for. You no know, quote unquote, you know, black history, black music. And then, what another thing what I really wanted to say is um, uh, about regarding, you know, the musicians and all that was mentioned. Um, that was energy in the form of music. That's true. Very good. Very good to assert. Yes, indeed. Yeah, there was, and, uh, and it was the healing. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and um, that's why I used the quotation marks, you know, because it's time for, I guess, the people eventually, you know, uh, melaninated people will know who their real identities are. That's why I used the quotation marks, and we are indigenous to this land, Turtle Island. Mm-hmm. Very true, mm-hmm. very true. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to bring that out as well about the statement made um, Mm -hmm. because when he acknowledged, he said he was an unforgettable entertainer and innovator and an American icon. And what I wanted to share about that, some people might know about Little Richard, some people may not. Um, He was born in Macon, Georgia, and my grandmother was born in the same town um, area of Macon, Georgia, where Little Richard's family was. So they knew each other well and know each other's families well. Also, um, Louise Williams. Also, um, the godfather of soul. They all grew up. What a lot of people didn't know, that was a very much populated city of Georgia where indigenous people were. And they did not teach their children that they were African anything. They taught their children and told their children what nation they were of yeah. as far as the indigenous. And I learned from my grandmother sitting with her and just having tea time 
and having her just share from her heart. And her and Louise Williams to this day, they still talk very often, but they knew their lineage. They knew their ancestry, their Bibles. They literally had in their Bibles, um, which were passed down from generation to generation, that part of the Bible where it said who begat who and who they would have that um, family tree in the in, in the Bible, in the front part of it, they passed those Bibles down. And that was one of the ways they were able to teach one generation to the next who descended from who and how families emerged. So it's a very interesting um, heritage of those people in Macon, Georgia. And even those that are there now, they can tell you what nation their great-grandparents were from because that was what, they had those real talk sessions. They had those, you can call them stumps. You can call them powwows because on the East Coast, they were stumps. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like we would say, you know, this is my stumping ground. This is where mm -hmm. I'm from. My people, well, they called, it, called them stumps when you had those engagements, those social engagements where people came together and they just talked. It was heart and soul, and they just shared. You know, knowledge was imparted, um, history was shared, and then just, you know, whatever was the next move, you found it out during those sessions. So we got to get back to that. You know, some for some of us, we lost some of that, and for others, we didn't, you know, but um, we need to... We need to um, get back to that and know more about who we are from. So a lot of the um, people, as I was sharing from Georgia, and they would um, in that particular city in Georgia, uh, they they were taught by their parents, by their grandparents, who they were and who they descended from, and uh, most of them were indigenous and there were others there was it wasn't just indigenous it was pop i think paul hotton um but all of those were the eastern shore indigenous okay the ones that were on the east coast so you starting all the way up from canada coming straight down to florida all the way down hitting all those states in between the carolinas all those states in between, Virginia, you're hitting all of them. But they were the Eastern Shore band of indigenous. Okay, you got to know there's some that were on this side. And then the others during the Trail of Tears, that was when they started yeah. moving them on to the West. They didn't start off on the West. They were moved. They were forced to live on reservations on the West Coast. Okay, in Oklahoma and so forth. That wasn't where they started. That wasn't the tr their true stomping grounds. So, you know, it's a lot of history we need to share about and talk about and um, keep our history learn we gotta you know rehearse it rehearse it in the ears of the young people because the more they hear it 
the more they're, they're going to want to know about their heritage. Yes, the more they hear it, the more they're going to want to know. But the less you talk about it, and that's what I believe the oppressor was hoping, you know, the less that they talked about it, the less that it was learned in the schools, the less it was being introduced in classrooms or through curriculum, then the less interest they would have in knowing it. So whatever it is that you're always being exposed to, it has high visibility, okay? It's, it's consistently being rehearsed in your ears or put in your face. That's called programming. And it's subliminal. It's subliminal, meaning it is impacting your psyche, your mind, the way you think. Because the more that you're seeing it, the more you're being influenced by it. And whatever that is that they're showing you or they're telling you, fostering in you, that's what's taking root deeply. And so we have a lot of false teachings, miseducation, and misinformation that we've got to weed out of us. We've got to uproot it. Take yeah. it up from the truth. And the only way that happens, you got to go in research mode and dig for what is truth. And when you get it, then you've got to start rehearsing that in your ears and rehearsing that in your eyes. You know, given that high visibility, what is truth? giving that high heightened visibility because then that's going to penetrate the recesses of your mind and in you that's going to become so embedded and ingrained then you and the truth okay are are one so when someone comes with the lie the fable the myth you're going to go right into that mode of, wait a minute, that's not true. Because I know, I, I, I studied, I did some research. That's false. That's propaganda. That's, that's fable. That's fiction. That's prejudice. You know, that's bias. So the only way you'll know, you have to learn what is the truth so even with real talk sessions when you have a real talk session you have to be willing to be transparent you have to be willing to realize wait a minute i might have been taught something that was a lie my grandparents my parents were lied to and they may have in turn not deliberately done it but because they too were victims of being lied to taught me a lie. Mm -hmm. So I might be believing some things that are not true. So I got to yeah. come to the table yeah. and be willing to, once it's exposed, to see it for what it truly is and say, you know what? I can do better than this. I'm in the information age. They weren't. 
knowledge is being increased and it's being shared electronically so fast from one part of the world to the next. It's no excuse for me. I can get the research in, I can put the time in, and I can find out what the real facts are. Because I don't want to live another generation, decade of lies, and believe that that is the truth when it's a lie. So when we start caring more and sharing, when you care, you will share with those that don't know too. Then we are awakening unto truth. And that's what's needed. The consciousness must awaken unto truth in order for enlightenment to occur. The consciousness has to awaken unto truth. You have to first realize I've been lied to. And that's one of the hardest things because so many people, they want to think, ah, I know this is what I learned. So because professor so-and-so who they're a world traveler, they this, they had that degree and the other, I know they wouldn't teach you lies. Oh yes, they will. They, some of them are paid. Some of them are paid. I mean, they paid top <laughs> and they know the truth. If you were to have a conversation with them, they will let you know, well, yeah, I know, but but the curriculum that they have um, reserved or they've assigned for us to teach uh, requires for us to teach this live. Uh, Sage, this is Warriors, Queens of Poor, and I want to comment on you know, what you see. You sound like Dane Calloway in one, video, in one seminar where he said, well, I study at the Southern University on the stuff and stuff. And that's how people go, because that's how we've been trained to think. We've been trained to believe that what you're learning on a university level or college level is better. And it is the truth. Just because you're learning it on a university and college level and it's costing you thousands of dollars per semester does not mean that it is validated. You've got to do the research to confirm what is legitimate or reliable as a resource. Um, and you've got to understand systemic racism goes very, very far. And one of the yeah. main tools that was used to promote systemic racism was education, the educational mm -hmm. systems of America which are labeled as institutions for a reason because you're being institutionalized. They are playing with your mind. You are yeah. literally being manipulated mentally, manipulated to think in a certain way. And that's not all good. Now I'm not knocking the socialization aspect of learning because that is essential for your social skills or the, 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 the idea of being taught, meaning to have someone who is well-learned to instruct you. I don't have a problem with that. But if you're using education, just like in religion, if you're using religious texts to oppress, to discriminate, and to promote supremacy of one group above others, then no, 
that's misuse and mishandling of education as a system for learning. And I think, honestly, I think they need to start arresting. Now, I know people might think I'm being rather, um, you might think I'm being rather extreme now, but I think they need to start arresting, whether it's a professor, whether it's a grade school, elementary school teacher, they are teaching lies because you're damaging that child's psyche, especially the lower level. You're damaging them yeah. for life. Mm. I had a and debate. I, one, one moment. I had a debate on Facebook, and I'm going to mm. say this because it hurt me. This was somebody I knew all my life, okay? They look very much white, but they have a father who's melaninated. All right? But they look white. Just to look at them, you would think, oh, this is a white person. And to hear them talk, they're very, very Republican and hold a lot of strong views that you would classify as being white prejudiced, okay? So I had this debate and it was almost like 20 back and forth with them and they just could not see another way. And there were other people that were like interceding, trying to help this person to rethink what they were thinking. I'm telling you the teaching and we're the same age. They're maybe a couple months older than me, but um, it was the teaching because they've only been educated here in schools of America. It was the teaching that influenced them, their mind in such a way where they have some very strong prejudicial views about black or melaninated people here in America. And I mean, it's it's a hurtful thing when it's somebody that you grew up knowing um, and you, you are witnessing that from them. But I'm like this, we all have to make choices in our lifetime. What way we're going to go, what, how we're going to think you know, what type of opinions we're going to hold or cling and hold fast to. Um, but we've got to keep in mind in all seriousness, and this is just due diligence, facts over feelings. And a lot of times you find a lot of people who are prejudiced, they are very opinionated and it's a lot of feeling based opinion that they have. It's not all fact-based. And the sources that they have are not all legitimate. It's not like federal investigated. Um, it has a lot to do with like, okay, the, the media, what the news is showing. We got to remember the media is paid to mm -hmm. highlight negative events that are occurring. They get paid to do that. Because that's what sells. If they come on the news every day telling you, oh, on Southford Street today, a little boy saw a cat that looked lost and he looked and noticed the tag 
And he walked down the street and, and knocked on the door and, and, and let them know that their cat was missing. That's not going to make the news. But if Joe Blow was walking down the street wearing a hood and he spit in the face of an old lady and the old lady called him a nigger, but nobody saw it. So he spit in her face. All people saw was him spit in her face. So Joe Blow, somebody called the police, and the police came, and they rushed on him and knocked him down onto the ground, handcuffed him, and, and threw him in the back of the car. And everybody starts to get opinionated because it was an old lady he spit in the face. Nobody even questioned why he spit on the face. That's going to make the news. The more controversial the incident or the event, the more media hype and press coverage. And we have to remember that. The media is, has never really been the friend of the melaninated community. And we got to know that yeah. too. They have always shown negative things, not enough of the positive events or incidents that are occurring in the melaninated communities. And there are a lot of positives, especially yeah. now, a lot of positives. Agreed. So, yeah. And Warriors Queen, the mic is yours, because I know there was something you wanted to share. Yeah. So I just didn't want, Rado, thank you. I just didn't want to lose my train of thought while you were talking about, you know, with the whole um, the, um, messing up the children, um, you know, psychologically damaging them by teaching them, you know, the, um, dishonesty and all. And it reminded me of um, there was a little light-skinned melaninated girl, and she was running down the street crying out loud saying, she told me if I drank white milk, I would turn white. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. See, that's what I'm talking about. These subtle, those are subtle things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people will think, oh, well, no child is actually going to believe that. But what are you doing? You are. Mm -hmm. You're perverting their judgment. And when they're young, the younger they are, the more impressionable mm -hmm. they are. There are people that believe if you sat too close to a black person, their color was going to rub on you. So you had little children scared to sit close to black people. And black people would be riding the bus, sitting down outside mm -hmm. in the park, wondering why little kids that were white were scared to sit near them. So one day this person, they asked, they said to the little child, well, wait a minute. I know you, you seem like a nice child, you know, that, that, am I a nice person? Am I somebody that scares you? And the little child said, no, but my mommy said, if I sit too close to somebody that's black or brown, that their color is going to rub on me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, hey, these are things that are being taught. Now, that I'm sure was probably, you know, that's a mother teaching it. But again, the first teachers are who? The mothers. The parents. The primary nurturer is the mother. That's the one who's carrying you and actually the one that's nursing you. You're learning more from them. You're getting more from them. The one that's rocking you to sleep, nursing you, the one that's humming to you, all of that is connectivity. You have a special bond with your mother. So if your mother is telling you things like that as your first teacher, they are conditioning your mind so that when you start school and you get those prejudiced teachers that are going to teach you even more lies, you are already vulnerable. You're already vulnerable to believe what is not true. So I tell you, this is, again, I really believe, maybe I'm sounding a bit extreme by this, but I think that those teachers should be identified that are teaching prejudice, teaching discrimination, teaching lies, they should be identified. They should be suspended without pay first. I think it should be tears of judgment. Suspended without pay for three days first. And then issued a statement. They have to sign it. That they are going to only teach fact-based knowledge. Not prejudiced, feeling-based commentaries. If they cannot sign that paper, I think they should be told they're going to have to resign. They have a number of days, um, you know, but they're going to have to find another job elsewhere. I think they need to really. And then if you find that they're teaching lies, like there was a professor literally teaching that the Holocaust never happened. I forget what university this was, but I'm, I'm going to look it up. It was a professor that was teaching the Holocaust never happened. And the children were so distraught because, I mean, he had his all this information from whatever resource he got it from that was teaching that it never happened. Um, and the parents were enraged because a lot and a lot of them were of Jewish to European Jewish um, ancestry. So, of course, they went to the school's administrators and they let them have it. I mean, you paying your money for your child to get educated, not to be miseducated and lied to like that. And eventually that professor was fired and removed, but it took, it was a lot of red tape, legal red tape that that university had to go through because he was so well um, protected. You know, you got different Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He was so well protected. He had tenure as well. And it's like, can you believe somebody was there for years that thought like this? That's dangerous. That's a weapon. Education is a weapon of mass destruction when it is mishandled and it is used in that way because you're destroying lives, damaging people for life, teaching them false information. You can have a child hate 
who they are. I mean, there was the one time they were teaching in the Native American reservation. Um, the whites were teaching the natives that the natives had um, killed Jesus. It was a missionary. Could you repeat that, Sage? Yes. There, there were white missionaries. They started at one of the reservations. Mm -hmm. They started a school where they were teaching the natives um, how to, well, they were teaching them American, how to be American. Well, they, they mm -hmm. taught them one of the, one of the texts they had, it taught the natives that the natives killed Jesus. Mm. So the natives were hating you know, themselves. They were mean, thinking mm -hmm. they was cruel. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of Malcolm X said, and he asked, who taught you how to hate yourself? That's right. And think about it. They were teaching blacks, using the word black and, and having all them negative meanings next to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I found out in other countries, they say, if you get married wearing white, that's bad luck. In other countries, they'd rather be married wearing black, green, or red. <laughs> so, I mean, as you know, here we go again. In America, that color, they based a lot of things on mm -hmm. color, black and white here. And it was being used, yes, as a weapon to destroy lives for oppression to promote oppression and suppression of a people and to promote supremacy of another people. Okay, so you would look in the dictionary and, and I remember learning this years ago, they said Webster who was prejudiced. Okay, and that was the dictionary that they were promoting in every school. Webster, if you look at every descriptive word he had for white, it was something positive. And look for every descriptive word he had for black, it was something negative. First of all, who told him black was negative? In the beginning, everything was black. Ain't nothing negative about black. Now they're talking about, and I love listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson when he does his lectures. Now in the field of science, they're talking about black matter and how important it is and how mysterious it is but yet how powerful it is nothing could be without it so you tell me were they not using prejudice and discrimination or discriminatory based ploys and devices to institutionalize hate mm -hmm. and to cause separation and segregate people and also to oppress one group and to, to esteem another. That's called supremacy. And that's not good. And when I listen to Trump, and this is a fact, because I've been taking my time and kind of listening to words, keywords. He has certain keywords that he uses a lot. Um, he is definitely a nationalist, but it's not a, patri a patriot of America, no. 
A patriot of America would never have private meetings with Russia's intelligence or Russia's leader. He is not an American patriot. And I think we really need to note that because a lot of emphasis now is more so made on what's going to make America great, but at whose expense he's not saying it. Mm-hmm. He's not saying when what made America great years ago, they used slavery, the enslavement of melaninated people from the natives mm-hmm. that were yeah. to the mm-hmm. Africans from other countries to the Asiatic people that came here. They used enslavement to boost industry as for the economy of this nation and supposedly that declared made this nation great and we have heard it all our lives this nation was built on the backs of slaves right but what's important is that we note when he says make america great again it's not what you think he's talking about going back to that type of system where they enslaved mm. melaninated people. That's how mm. this country became great. And melaninated people were not even being paid for that labor. They were being abused in all mm. types of ways and tortured and sold to the highest bidder. And they talk about the fashion week in the runway, what a lot of people don't know. The cakewalk, which a lot of the models, the supermodels are doing, slave women had were forced to do that. And they had to walk like that back and forth. And the white rich men that were slave owners were bidding on them. And the highest bid, whoever had the highest bid, that particular woman, that was their possess became their possession. Whether she was used to be a mistress, whether she was used to work in the fields, to work in the house. It's a lot people don't know. I just learned about the ice cream truck song. And um, that was really shocking because I had never known about the ice cream truck song. And we hear the ice cream truck song, kids are screaming and hollering. Um, And that the ice cream truck used to have a black-faced minstrel on the outside of the truck years ago. And that black-faced minstrel, of course, you know, with the big pink lips and a very dark Uh skin, all right? You would hear the song playing and that particular song was Nigga Love a Watermelon, Ha Ha. That was the name of the song. And so what happened was a young man went to the ice cream truck and, and he videotaped it. He had a videotaped and he said, sir, do you know what the name of the song is that you're playing. And he said, if you're gonna come on this particular block, 
I'm requesting that you not play that song because that song is offensive to any person of color. And we told him what the song was. The man didn't know. And he said, I know you didn't know. So I'm telling you today, the next time that you come, play a different song. Because we're not going to buy ice cream. We're not going to patronize you if you play that song. And the guy was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Nobody told me. He was from another country. He said, I didn't know. Nobody told me. So it's just sad to know the little subtle things that are still institutionalized or still practiced. We're going back to the word practice. They're being practiced that have roots that are, yes, biased, prejudiced. We need to know about that. That is, those are the things that should be told and talked about. And they need to be changed. And that's something, you know, now we're living and we're seeing how they're removing the statues. I'm all for that. Yes, 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 yes. Take these statues down of these men that were racist. Um, they came to America and they plundered, they pilfered, mm-hmm. they were rapists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still they were not heroes. They were villains. Come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. All of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. A line, a line of atrocities they committed. One moment. A line of atrocities they committed. Mm. But they were being heralded. Why? Because you had a system here in America that was prejudiced towards melaninated people and biased and hateful in how the system functioned and the way people who were melaninated were being treated and how even the law okay how the law declared melaninated people if you're not considered even human or a man i mean come on okay so this is what i say you don't want to consider me human then call me the god i am or the goddess i am okay (laughs) if you have a problem acknowledging me then acknowledge me as the god or the goddess i am because that must be what it is you know that I am supreme to you. Okay, then let's do this. Put it in writing and declare it as such. But you're not going to treat me as an animal because there's a big difference in terms of genetics and DNA to confirm we're not the same. So they really need to fix a lot of things I'm glad though, again, they're getting rid of these statues, monuments, flags, anything that's symbolizing what? Systematic racism or systematic uh, hate, systemic hate, discrimination towards melaninated people. It's, it's, it's time for those things to be abolished. And never a more, never more resurrected again. Okay, we want to burn them and we can have, we can burn them. That would be great. (laughs) You know, don't just remove them. Now, I told someone, I said, well, listen, they said, oh, well, this is history. I'm like, no, it ain't history. 
because Columbus never did discover America. Read his own journal. They had us read it in college. He was at the Bahamas. I mean, that's one of the islands, yes, neighbor to us, but it wasn't North America. So how are you teaching that he discovered it when he didn't even, his feet wasn't even on here? It's just ridiculous. It really is. And they should know that by now, more of us are literate. They didn't want us ever reading. We understand. It was afraid. We would find out the truth. So they didn't want us to read. And it was, you were caught reading. You could have been, you could be lynched at one time in this land. You were a person of color. You were taught. You were literate. You were found reading. Oh, my gosh. You were killed. Mm-hmm. Or you were beat almost to death. I mean, this is just, I mean, I'm glad we have a real talk. It's necessary. We have to have these sessions because when we have these sessions, what we're saying is we're reflecting and referring on why we are what we are or why things are the way they, that they are. And we're also saying we've got to move on. We're not gonna stay stuck. Yes, we know these things happen. Yes, they were awful. Yes, they are awful. And it's atro- these are atrocities. And it's a shameful thing. Like I've heard from people that came here from other countries and they don't understand it. They're like, why are people of color treated so bad here? Where they're from, they're like, we treat you like kings and queens. Why are they treating you like this here? And I feel like, well, dad, <laughs> I was trying to answer for you. I just know this was going on before I was born. And since 1492, actually. Mm -hmm. So this stuff came to America. It wasn't always here. Mm -mm, um, Jim Crow laws and all that stuff, that came too because people came here and their intentions were ill. They did not mean the natives well. They didn't come to be friends. Like we had this picture they showed us about giving pilgrims and Indians sitting down and having Mm -hmm. the feast. No, it didn't happen like that. That's a fable. That's a lie. But that's what they wanted to believe. They came with their Bibles and their crosses and they meant us well. We found out they was raping the women. They was some of the women got diseases. They were raping them. They were killing the land. Um, All kinds of them. But they had their Bibles. They were called missionaries. And they did a lot to dismantle the original people and the established government the original people already had. Mm-hmm. They had they knew how to set up government. And then the Moors came and the Moors further enhanced mm. what the natives here 
to about government. And then when Washington and all of them came into play, it was the Moors that taught them how to set up government. Mm. So that's why you see a lot of the relics like the obelisk and all those different relics that you see, those um, symbols, they came from where? That's Eastern Africa. The Moors, Northern Africa, the Moors. Morocco. That's their influence. Yeah, that's their influence. That didn't come from England. And the original flag and, and all the colors and stuff, we know that the indigenous people had the red and the blue. Those were colors representing the different bands of the indigenous nations of people. So in all actuality, white America stole from a lot of melaninated people. Mm -hmm. Whether it was the Moors or the indigenous people, they stole from them. And then they claimed it as their own. That's a thief. That's not a hero. That's a villain. Mm -hmm. You don't build statues and erect statues of, of people that do that kind of thing. You teach about it, yeah, because they came and they saw and they conquered. All right, mm -hmm. yeah, we teach mm -hmm. about it. Tell the truth. But no, we're not going to celebrate what they did. We're not going to celebrate them because they mm -hmm. were villains. Criminals. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of uh, and say just warriors, queens, the poor, and speaking of Moors, Christopher Columbus was a Spanish Moor, and who came, you know, to Turtle Island after finding his girlfriend's late dad's journal, you know, written about the country. A Spanish Moor, and that we did know because the Queen of Spain funded his. Yeah. Travel. Queen Isabella. And King Ferdinand. Two first cousins. Right. So we know about the Spanish invasion. They they and remember, they went through the islands. That's why to this very day you can go to Trinidad, Barbados, Bahama, Jamaica. What is one of the main languages that they speak? Spanish. The Spanish invaded all of the Spanish invaded Portugal. The French came last. The Spanish did a lot of invasion of melaninated people provinces. And that's why Spanish is spoken so fluently in those places today, even the Dominican Republic. Mm hmm. And we learned about the conquistadors. They had a plan. Those, most of them came, they saw, and they conquered. It was about conquering the new world. That's what they called Turtle Island, the new world. Because it was a territory they had never seen and never been before. And one of the main things all of them said in their journals was how dark 
than people were, but they were beautiful. They were strong. They were like gods. They were built. They were. They had everything to say about how appealing we looked, but you did nothing positive as far as your entry. It was all about dominating the culture, taking control of the land, mm-hmm. and then setting up camp. Because you, just like what China's doing right now in Africa. And now yeah. they have a whole population being born. They look Chinese, but they're dark as the night. Mm-hmm. And they're not accepted by the African men. The African men are like, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, I didn't do. I don't. I'm not your daddy. I, I had nothing to do with these. They don't know what to call these. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this boy is Queens of Horror. Yeah, Judge Greg Mathis had a case like that. It was um, it was an ex-engaged couple. It was uh, Keisha, I think her name was. She was indigenous, you know, melanated, and her fiance Simon was Asian. And Keisha was a single mom who found out that, you know, her fiance was uh, taking advantage of her. So she took him to court, Judge Greg Mathis, and won. <laughs> so what are you saying? The, the, the African women, these Chinese men that made these babies with, and they done left, talking about they can't take these women or the babies mm-hmm. back home because their wives won't accept them. Those women need to take them in the court. <laughs> <laughs> they the court. No, she yeah, see she Keisha was a single mom when she met Simon. And so Simon had came to her and he accepted her son and so they became a family. That's when he started, you know, taking advantage of her. Oh gosh. And and don't think they didn't do that when they went to Africa too. They saw them single women, the men probably left them. And they said, well, how can we get hold of the land? That's one way. They say, through the woman, you can. Because if you're involved with a woman who is from Africa, she already has ties to the land. So they know the law. And they go over there. Yep. They go over there subtle. And that's how what has happened happened. But they lie to the leaders. A lot of the presidents over there. And after they gave them money, China said, we will rebuild your infrastructure. We're going to rebuild your business infrastructure. Actually, that was a key phrase of saying, we are coming to take over. (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's bribery. Right? No, we're coming to take over. And thank you for opening the door and letting us in. That's pretty much, <laughs> you know, we need some money. They're going to make, they already know they're going to make through trading and imports and exports. Mm-hmm. They already know the value of the soil, of the products there. They're going to make triple the amount they gave them. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad, like um, those leaders, it was different presidents um, mm-hmm. that they didn't see. They didn't see beyond the smile, beyond the money, the, you know, yeah. what are they really here for? Why are they really coming? They're coming to take over and you let them, you let them in the front door. You never do that. To an outsider, you let them in your front door. And even the natives, it was like the natives here, they took, mm-hmm. they took these white settlers on face value. Because again, they came with their Bibles and their crosses. Um, 
So you take them, and even the Spanish, they came with their Catholic, they, they Bibles, the Santa Biblia. And, and they came in, and, you know, they believe, oh, you are from heaven. You come to help us, you know, or whatever. No, they didn't. They was the devil in sheep clothing. That's how the devil comes. going to come with the Bible in the cross. Just like that time Trump had the Bible, he was taking <laughs> <laughs> Outside that church, holding the Bible upside down, right there. I just said, "Oh no, we got a real problem." And uh, and say, somebody made a remake. Somebody made a remake of that picture, and a lightning bolt struck him. He was Christy Black, and a Bible crumpled. <laughs> I'm Wait, Sage, you're going in and out. Omen comes to mind when I think about Trump. He just, it's just, <laughs> burning sage, all that stuff. All right, I'm going to have to call back because you're going in and out. I get the hope I'm social and well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It was a little technical difficulty and of course it's just so much it's just so much going on in our world right now we just really have to maintain balance yes we must maintain balance and as long as we're maintaining balance we're winning in this rat race Mm -hmm. against time because right now either time is on our side or we are running out of time and i'm trying to saying time is on our side I do believe it is because I'm seeing the positive outcomes I'm seeing change 
and I'm seeing how every ethnic group is starting to march together and say one thing with one voice. And I had shared through social media, I don't know if everybody listening at this time has seen the movie V for Vendetta. It came out some years ago. And that particular movie exposed so many things. And there's a lot that was in that movie that is so parallel to what we're faced with right now, even with the global pandemic, with this COVID-19 coronavirus, that movie actually showed that. And it, it, it was a movie that exposed the corruption, which is at the top, okay? The movie exposed the corruption that is at the top. And in the movie, all the people came together towards the end and they marched on parliament. The British parliament. <laughs> also, Big Ben was, expl was exploded. <laughs> now I'm laughing. But when I first saw that movie, I was like, oh my God, they are not going to let this movie be in the theaters because this is going to be considered terrorist, <laughs> domestic terrorism because it was the people rising up and they were like just so angry. So they got rid of that big bin. They got rid of parliament was destroyed and all these different things that were symbols. I mean, come on. These were all symbols that the elite built. They represented something, and they were not symbols that really were in favor of the people rising to power, the people um, uniting, and the people um, advancing. These were symbols representing elitists in power and governing and controlling everything. And it was like... This one man realized we got to stop this because they're trying to control us. They're trying to control our minds and manipulate us and have us living out their purposes, which are evil, mm -hmm. which are not in the best of the people. So it was quite an interesting movie. I don't know if you've seen it before, Warriorist, but if you can, I don't know if you have Netflix or not. Or um, you can just go online. Sometimes there's um, links. I'll see if I can find one where you can see the movie free. And other times mm -hmm. it may cost like $1, $3 or something. But that movie is worth you seeing. And in that movie, he wore a mask. And the reason why was, you know, there was, oh my, he went through a lot in his life. And at one time, um he sustained certain burns. He could have died. So a large percent of his body was burned. So he wore it to cover his face. But at the end of the movie, everybody was wearing a mask. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> that movie needs to be out right now. They need to bring it back in the theaters right now because it just exposes so much about what's happening in society in our world right now on a global scale, on a global scale. So, um, yes, if anybody has not seen that movie yet, it is a movie you will not want to miss. 
you want to see it because it reveals and exposes a lot of things. It's called B for Vendetta. B for Vendetta. I, I loved it. I loved it. Matter of fact, I think I brought it when it came out on DVD because I was a member of Columbia House. And there were certain movies that I would order to be in my library vault for movies because these were like the movies that were like exposing things, like movies that told the truth that I really enjoy watching. I would watch them at least two or three times so I could pull, pick from them every fine line detail that dealt with, okay, the interpretation or the meaning and message. So that was one of the movies that I have. I know I have it in my vault and I'm recommending if anyone didn't see V for Vendetta, please treat yourself this week and see that movie. It is worthwhile. And you will be like, at the end of the movie, you will have your mouth gaping wide wide open because you will be like, this movie is so much like what is happening today, right now in society. So much. So, um, there were a couple of topics I thought we would cover tonight. Um, and I'm just going to throw them out there so you can keep them in mind. One is using animals and medical research helps people. That's a controversial topic. And we're going to um, see if we can get some time in on that. Um, Warriors Queen, I want to hear from you perspective about using animals in medical research helps people. What are your perspective? What is your, your response? to that statement. Do you agree, do you disagree, and give a little background reference of what you know about that? All right, um, when you had said that uh, topic, an image that came into my mind of, of a picture I'd seen a long time ago, and it was um, of a lab mouse with a human ear growing you know, from its back. Now, mm. I don't know how that had, yes. Now, I don't know how that happened, right? But the second thing is uh, using it with the animals and experiments. Animals and humans have different organs. They're different species. So if you want to, like, crossbreed like you're doing the food, don't be upset and scared when you, become, when you create something that you're intolerable of. Yeah, and then when you expect, you know, why are you, why are you experimenting on animals for? What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. Now that's the uh, number one question. I'm glad you put that out. Why are you experimenting on animals in the first place? What is the purpose? Now, if we start there, I think we'll come to a conclusion as to whether or not that sort of action should occur. Now, I've heard there's the argument, some people say, well, because of certain chromosomes, you have certain animals that have similar chromosomes to us. Um, 
So if we experiment on the animal, it can kind of give us a little insight as to if this was used on a human. Okay, so it's used the animal to be the lab rat rather than use another human. So that's what some people use for their argument. And then you have that other group like PETA, okay? Um, that are about protection of the welfare of animals and their rights. Now, PETA is gonna say, first of all, animals' rights are violated. Whenever animals are being used and they talk about the types of conditions that they're under when they're being used for experiments, they are not safe. They are not in the best interest of the animal. Um, so in other words, the animal is being tortured or harmed, and that's an animal rights violation. So if we're taking into consideration laws are in place now to protect animals' rights and to protect their safety, then we have to take into consideration not every thing that seems good is expedient. So and this is Warriors Queen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, the film that comes to mind is Rampage with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Naomi Harris, where they did those experiments. And they had a uh, a giant gorilla, well, put this a mutant gorilla, a wolf, a bat, and a crocodile. Mm -hmm. You did say mutant, right? Yes. <laughs> and see, that's a concern to me. Anything that's mutant, okay, you have already tampered with its natural biosphere or chemistry. So that means it's not in its natural form anymore. You've created, you've manipulated something that was a certain something. So it's now become something different. Okay, so a whole new set of rules will apply because now it's a creature of a different, it's a different chemistry, it has a different chemistry now. So you're going to have to learn, okay, well, how does this animal function? And, and it's a new creature. It's different. And you're causing confusion, actually, as far as the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. If it's not in this natural order, it's disorder or, you know, becomes chaotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I all right, and I also want to add with Rampage, the message in it was when Naomi's character said, "I'm feeding the monster to the, um, yeah, I'm feeding the monster to the gorilla." She was talking about the female scientist that you know did the experiment. Mm. Mm. Now I've been hearing a lot about grass-fed beef. And to me, that just sounds fishy. Why is it grass-fed versus grain-fed beef? 
Well, this warrior's queen before it, and then grass is what, you know, the livestock that uh, cows eat. Yeah, but grass-fed, all right, I saw something that says grass-fed and finished beef fat tastes fishy. Because it effectively is similar to fish oils. But grain-fed beef is different. Great, great. Wait a minute. Because this is interesting to me. If I'm going to eat beef, now I got to ask for grass-fed as opposed to grain-fed steak. <laughs> so this is what it's saying. People are actually, it's, 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 it's um, one or the other. You have certain people that only eat grass-fed beef, and then you have some that only eat grain-fed beef. But it's all about the taste, they're saying. I just think this is quite interesting. One of the most debated issues surrounding grain-fed and grass-fed cattle is the way that each tastes. The foods that cattle eat have a major impact on the way they eventually taste and the composition of their meat. In America, grain-fed beef is usually given a combination of corn, soy, corn byproducts, husks and cobs, for instance, and other supplements for the three, six months prior to slaughter. This mix has been fine-tuned over the last 75 or so years to promote faster growth in beef cattle. Corn feed leads to higher levels, higher levels of marbling and embu's beef with a slightly sweeter taste. Okay, so that's the corn or grain-fed beef. Now, grass-fed beef cattle, on the other hand, feed on grass and a mixture of other forage or plants that grow on the ground, such as bushes and thistles. This is more natural for cows, but produces less marbling. Grass-fed steaks also have a much more mineral-heavy taste that is often described as meatier or gamier, which is also a common description of grass-fed texture. Interesting. While there are outliers, the majority of Americans seem to prefer the sweeter, richer taste that comes from corn-fed beef. This is a big part of the reason why major steak brands and restaurants continue to draw attention to the fact they serve corn-fed steaks. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Now, as for the health benefits, while there are some studies that say otherwise, the general consensus is that grass-fed beef is healthier. The three main reasons for this are fewer calories per pound, higher levels of omega-3 acids, and greater amounts of conjugated linoleic acid, or CLA. Skeptics have pointed out, however, that the reason for the lower per pound calorie count is reduced marbling, as with most health foods. Swapping out the thing that gives steak flavor does make it 
healthier, but it also reduces the luxuriant richness that most steak lovers are looking for. As for the healthy acids, it is true that grass-fed steak fat has a much higher percentage of omega-3 fatty acids and CLA. But grass-fed steaks, as we've covered, also have a much lower percentage of fat. As a result, the levels of omega-3 acids and CLA in comparable grass and grain-fed steaks are much closer than most people think. So that's that. Grass-fed versus grain-fed steaks. Very interesting. <laughs> so if your steak tastes sweeter and you got it at a restaurant, more than likely that was from a grain-fed cattle or grain-fed cattle. Boy, genetic talk about genetically modifying. <laughs> yeah, diet plays a huge part in so much. It's like if we just know. Um, and and the same with what we eat too. Like the old saying goes, you are what you eat. If you're eating foods that are high in the omega three, um, you're getting that that's good for the brain, the nervous system. Um, and I'm going to share about the omega-3 uh, benefits now because I think mm -hmm. we should know about that as for diet. What are the health benefits? <clears throat> okay, there's 17. I'm going to go through real quick and just kind of read through them fast. Omega-3 can fight depression and anxiety, okay? And um, here's why. Because of the fatty acids that appear, um, ALA, EPA, DHA. And one study found EPA as effective against depression as a common antidepressant. Omega-3 supplements may help prevent and treat depression and anxiety, and EPA seems to be the most effective at fighting depression, the EPA, omega-3 fatty acid. Omega-3s can improve eye health. Omega-3 fatty acid called DHA is a major structural component of our eyes. Omega-3s can promote brain health during pregnancy and early life which results in higher intelligence, better communication and social skills, fewer behavioral problems, decreased risk of developmental delay, decreased risk of ADHD or autism and cerebral palsy. Um, I'm just sharing this information. This is readily accessible. You can do a Google search on your own. I went to healthline.com. Um, and again, the title is 17 Science-Based Benefits of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, omega-3 can improve risk factors for heart disease. These benefits address triglycerides, blood pressure, HDL cholesterol, blood clots, plaque, and inflammation. Omega-3s can reduce symptoms of ADHD in children. ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Omega 
Threes can reduce symptoms of metabolic syndrome, okay, which reduce insulin resistance, fights inflammation, and improves several heart disease risk factors. Omega-3s can fight inflammation, can fight autoimmune diseases, uh, can improve mental disorders, can fight age-related mental decline and Alzheimer's disease, uh, may help prevent cancer, can reduce asthma in children. Um, that's quite interesting. It's saying several studies associate omega-3 consumption with the lower risk of asthma in children and young adults. Omega-3 intake has been associated with a lower risk of asthma in both children and young adults. Severe asthma attacks can be very dangerous, caused by inflammation and swelling in the airway of your lungs. Omega-3s can reduce fat in your liver. Omega-3s may improve bone and joint health. Omega-3s can alleviate menstrual pain. Omega-3 fatty acids may improve sleep. And I think, yeah, they were saying for women around your cycle time, um, what is it, cod liver oil? That cod liver oil, because that is high in omega-3, to incorporate that in your daily diet. Um, Omega-3 fats are good for your skin. Yep. Um, So, I mean, omega-3 has a lot of health benefits, and we should definitely incorporate into our diet every week. Make sure that we're having the right amount of intake of omega-3, because it will impact our health in a positive light. Um, Now, for those that are having problems with erection for men, does omega-3 help sexually? An added benefit to fish, omega-3 fatty acids, which can improve cardiovascular health and lower triglycerides and may increase dopamine production and reduce the risk for depression, all pluses for the libido and orgasm potential. Non-fish lovers can have omega-3 fortified eggs. Did everybody hear that? So if you don't love fish, you can have omega-3 fortified eggs. You just have to, when you go to the market, ask if they carry it. Some farms, um, if you go to farmer's markets, some of them should have it. Not all mainline markets will have it, but you want to look for omega-3 fortified eggs if you're not a fish lover. There you go. So I think I covered a lot of adult stuff right there involving health and diet. So let's get to election 2020 in November, this November. I've been noticing these ads lately. And there were two ads in particular, Warriors Queen. I want to get your comments and commentary. There was one showing Biden, and these are two ads by the Trump campaign, okay? One showing Biden, and it starts off saying that he's slipping, right? And then it um, shows different videos where Biden either forgot what he was saying or he couldn't, if he didn't forget or couldn't remember, he was acting real strange and odd, like he wasn't altogether with it, okay? From a uh, mental health standpoint, you know, as though he was forgetful, um, 
seemingly snapping off at people, acting really just out of character. And it all summed up saying that he does not, he's not in the, in, in the state of mind. That's what really the ad was, was pointing at, saying he's not mentally capable. Um, he's not physically capable. It showed him sleeping, falling asleep <laughs> during an important press or a meeting or something. But it was just sad. I'm watching this commercial ad by the by the Trump campaign administration and I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know if that's fair. When is it when in terms of these ads? Because I mean, it's one thing when it's okay, you you trying to promote one candidate is, you know, their campaign they trying to promote themselves as being the better choice. But to me, that was just disrespectful. I I found that to be rather disrespectful, condescending. What are your thoughts about that? I don't know if you saw it or not, but what are your thoughts? I just saw like uh, like the beginning of it when I was pop up when he was saying about, you know, that Biden was slipping. And it reminds me of uh, something I had said to somebody about you know, um, when it comes with political advertisements, is that you telling what you're going to, right? Candidates tell what they're going to do, but you don't, you know, slander. That's slander when you, you know, insult, you know, your opposing candidate. You just tell what you're going to, I feel you should just tell what, you know, your plans are, but don't, you know, insult, you know, your opposing candidate. And so this is what they were, you know, doing with Biden. With um, Trump, with Monster Trump was doing Biden, and then the second thing is um, regarding um, Biden's, you know, seemingly odd behavior. I call it the front stage, backstage performance. Is that he's putting on, you know, what he wants you to see. You know, the front, um, you know, with the um, like I'm a flipper. You know, the backstage, front stage performance is that they're putting on what you want you, what they want you to see, but. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. I was right the first time. Front stage, backstage performance. Say he's putting on what he wants you to see on the front stage, but backstage is like completely different. It's the preparation. Mm-hmm. So what's that old saying? I think it was Ben Franklin that said it. Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Mm-hmm. I think when we go to the polls this November, we need to think about what Ben Franklin said. Because yeah, and that's a, a yeah, and that's said, go ahead. You know, it's a lot of negative uh, mm-hmm. things being said in those ads, and I think we should not allow them to influence us. There was another no, ad. because it's slander. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go there ahead. was another yeah. ad where it shows uh, Biden as a young man and there were some comments that he made on the lines of segregation. I believe he was for um, people being segregated as for schooling, not busing children from outside communities who were black into um, better schools, you know, and having the bus take them. That he was not for that during that time. And he also for some other things, if you listen closely, um, he said he was for some things where people could be arrested for 
I'm trying to remember, was it um, crossing the street, jaywalking and all, like he said, you'll find other things in that bill. But he was trying to, he used irony and sarcasm and he was trying to say, like, you're just focusing on one thing that I said, but read the full bill. It's a lot more that I put in there. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, um, people yeah, change. Can... Like, that's all I'm, I'm going to say about that. If indeed he had those feelings or whatever, people do change. Because I know as a vice president of President Obama, he showed me a lot of support. President Obama, President Obama being a person of color, Biden was in his corner. And I thought that he did a fine job supporting the president. And to me, anybody that wants to be a president, I think they should have had that opportunity. Not to say that only people that have been a vice president would make a good president, but if you've been a vice president and you've been a really good supporting vice president, I think people should look at that and say, hey, he did such a fine job as vice president. Why not allow him the opportunity to be president? But I noticed the ad also talked about the fact three times so far he tried and he didn't, you know, succeed. Well, three times is a charm. I look at it like that. Three times is a charm. Give the man a chance. Timing is of the essence. Maybe this is the right year for him. So, anyway, just some thoughts. Uh, yeah. This Warriors Queens of Poor and August says, just beware. And as the late Tupac Shakur said, uh, don't believe everything that you read. Realize, realize, realize. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Tupac uh, was spot on. Mostly every rap. If you decode what he was actually saying. He was dropping a lot of knowledge and wisdom. And if people were awake, their consciousness heightened and they were aware, they could receive what he was saying and the benefits of that. Yep. The late Tupac Amar Shakar. Well, I do hope that this is a fair election. I'm hoping there is no election fraud. Uh, yeah, I, I want to oh, go ahead. Yeah, I meant to say I hope there's no voting fraud. Seriously. Uh-huh. They are saying, and I don't know, I'm going to share something because I don't know that everybody's aware of this, but I mean, come on. New Jersey Attorney General announces voting fraud, fraud charges. There's already four city councilmen among four facing voter fraud charges in New Jersey. This is ridiculous already. Uh A city councilman and a councilman elect are the four people charged with voting fraud 
related to the May 12 municipal election. New Jersey Attorney General Berber Rule announced on Thursday. Patterson City Councilman Michael Jackson, Councilman-elect Alex Mendez, Shalim Halik, and Abu Razim have been charged with criminal conduct involving mail-in ballots during the election. Now, that's what upsets me. Because right now, President Biden is asking, and I did share this on my wall on social media, and I'm going to go down to the actual uh, post now. But President Biden is now, um, there's a petition, and it is, they need signatures to demand that Congress adopt the vote by mail. So what they're saying is, if this global pandemic spikes, if there's a second wave, third wave, whatever, and it spikes and the numbers surge even more high than they already are, we are gonna have to vote by mail-in ballot. We're not gonna be uh, able to go to the polls because we'll be in quarantine. Um, if that happens, we need to know that Congress has made it possible for us, meaning there has been a vote in Congress, a vote of yes to approve this, that we can vote by mail-in ballot. So I did share this. I'm hoping that everyone will follow, and um, I'm also going to be sharing it. There's a link for you to go to to sign I'm going to be sharing this as well in Messenger because we need people to do this. Because, again, if we don't, that'll be another way that Trump will be allowed to stay in office. Because they'll say it's a national emergency, okay? So I'm just trying to get everybody aware of that because this is serious business. You know, we say we want to see things better and improve. Well, we need things in place. And that's one in particular we need in place. Because um, otherwise, we're going to have to put up with Trump for another four years. I don't think anybody wants to deal with that. <laughs> and don't think he's not counting on it. Don't think he's not baking on it. Don't think all of those meetings he has with Putin and all them other folks don't have nothing to do with that. He's trying to secure mm-hmm. his plot. He don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. There's a plot for a reason. You got to remember, Electoral College, they voted him in. When we voted for Hillary as a population vote, they voted for him as Electoral College. That's how he's in there. So he's in there for a reason. It's something they want him to fulfill. Uh-huh. And we just got to keep that in mind. Don't let it happen. Congress needs our signatures. They need our signatures. In order for those types of bills to become passed as a law, it requires the signature of the American people. And we have to be willing to do what we need to do. Sign these petitions, people. I know it's a difficult task. 
sometimes, you know, we don't like politics and, you know, we don't want to get involved and we don't want to do this and that, but sometimes it requires our voluntary and our voluntary actions for change. And we've got to be willing at this point. It's beyond how we feel. It's about let's do due diligence what is essential. Let's do the right thing. Yes, and uh, this is Warriors Queen Zippor. And uh, speaking of um, the vote mail-in ballot, um, Trump's new postmaster general is Louis DeJoy. Mm-hmm. And one more time, you said he's the new, did you say postmaster general? Yes. Let me look him up right now real quick. Lewis spelled L-O-U-I-S DeJoy, D-E-J-O-Y. Lewis, this is from Wikipedia. Lewis DeJoy is an American businessman and Republican Party fundraiser who was appointed in May 2020 by unanimous selection of the Board of Governors of the United States Postal Service to serve as the 75th United States Postmaster General and Chief Executive Officer of the world's largest postal organization. And what's his agenda? That's my concern, because everybody yeah, he, that has melanin, mm-hmm. melanin or is melanin may not be in for our best interest as the people. Some of mm-hmm. them are bought. They're sold. Yeah, well, well, Louis DeJoy oh, wow. is Caucasian. Yeah. Louis DeJoy is Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some yeah, of them are sellouts. They do not have our best interests at heart. And we got to do our part, bottom line. And I'm sharing the um, petition link now, hoping that people will pay attention, share it on their wall, because we need to sign this or else Trump will be our president for another four years. And he's going to use this global pandemic to his advantage like he always does. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware of that. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's sad. We should further along and this. But this is America. This has been America for a long time. Now, I looked up the word condescending because I wanted to make certain of what the meaning is. And what I discovered, it says, having or showing a feeling of patronizing superiority. Patronizing superiority. Okay. And I did use it when I was describing how I felt the political ads. 
by Trump was being used. And it's sad. It's so mm -hmm. sad. Because Biden is 70, what, 78? 77, Trump is 75. They're not that many years apart. Trump, the way he sounds, you would think they were like a lot of years apart. And that ad, the way that ad was formulated. And I want to make sure the age, let me see. Yeah, Biden is 77. Yeah. He turned, he turned 78 this November, November 20th, okay? And Trump is 74. His birthday was this month. <laughs> I didn't even know. His birthday was June the 14th. Now, I have a problem with this. His birthday was June the 14th. I didn't see nobody circulating no birthday card. Say happy birthday to Trump. They gave you everybody else that was a president before him. That's not right. We This man, he is our president. This is not right. His birthday was June the 14th. And this is the last day of June. And nobody still is circulating any cards. Saying happy birthday to Donald J. Trump. What's going on in this world? This is not right. We got to fix this, America. <laughs> we need to fix that. That's just not fair. Mm. I haven't even, even seen a commercial or nothing. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I mean, nothing. Nobody, nothing. This is what? That's not right. He's 74 as of June mm. the 14th. Wow. Well, happy belated, Donald J. Trump. No, I did not vote for you. And I have no plans on voting for you this time either, but happy belated birthday. You deserve a birthday greeting. And I do wish you all the best. And I'll leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's, some, that's the first time. I mean, I've been seeing... Oh, wish so-and-so a birthday. All these former presidents and their wives and everybody else. I'm like, what? I would not have known his birthday was June the 14th. Now, I don't think that's right. You know, after all, he is the president of this country. I don't think that's right. Only in America, I tell you. This country, they praise you one, one moment. And they crucify you the same day. <laughs> Only in America. Well, looks like it's that hour again, 11 p.m. 
But Warrior's Queen, whatever you have as far as a suggested reading, and next week is back to normal. No real talk mm-hmm. session. So we'll be doing your full hour from 9 to 10. Um, anything that you want to share with everyone about as far as a suggested reading or required reading, feel free to do so now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to save that until next week because it's part of my program. Because this real talk, you know, I just, um, it was definitely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Who would have thought we would be exploring, <laughs> exploring such topics, you know, with, you know, of course, with the upcoming election and the effects of the pandemic? Right. Yes. Mm. And grass-fed versus grain-fed beef. I mean, I didn't expect to be talking about that, but I, I thought it was interesting. I hope somebody else did, too. And when we go to the restaurant yeah, now... Yeah, that's to help. Yeah. So when your, uh, your steak tastes, you know, sweet, you know, they don't right. put some, uh, what was it, grain in it. No, um, they don't, well, they they don't have, messed up... That means three to six months before the cow was slaughtered, the diet was grain. So it was eating a lot of corn, a lot of husk. Yeah, a lot of grain. So that influenced the beef flavor. So it'll be sweeter. And if it was grassy, a lot of grass, they also ate the uh, bushes, the thickets. And I thought that was interesting. Thistles. And that would mean the... um, Beef had more of mineral, you could taste the mineral taste, where they would equate like fish, because you know fish are high in omega-3. So the, mm-hmm. the grass-fed beef is higher in omega-3, so you know the taste wouldn't be as sweet. So I mean, that's interesting to know how it affects uh, business or the economy. So if you go to restaurants, if it's tasting, it has a, most restaurants are going to have grain-fed beef because they know people like to taste more. So that's important to know, too, as far as dietary uh, nutrition fact information goes. Because um, some of us are just straight vegan, so you want to make sure that on the menu, it lets you know it's grass-fed beef. So whatever you order, you want to make sure it's the grass-fed beef meals and not the contrast. So just wanted to share. I'm sure my vegan listening audience out there appreciate me for that. I have a lot of um, fans from India, and that's, you know, they, they the cow is sacred. They don't need the cow now, period. Um, so it's all about the, you know, if you got something that's um, like Dunkin' Donuts, for example, the Beyond Sausage Sandwich, which is all vegan. It's plant-based. It's all vegan. It's not beef or turkey. It's vegetable. I tried it. And let me explain. It has a good taste. It's, it's different, but it has a delicious, good taste. And when you eat it, you don't even think it's not meat. And it tastes better to me than beef. It's called the Beyond Sausage Sandwich. Dunkin' Donuts Sausage Sandwich. It's worth it. It's worth a try, people. Just letting you know if you haven't tried it, it's worth a try. Yes, it is. Well, I'm going to bid everybody adieu. One more thing. The phase of the moon. 
I am going to do my moon gazing tonight. Get a picture. I like to get a picture of the moon. It's a nice open sky in a certain field area near my house. And um, I'm able to get some really good pictures. So the face of the moon, June 30th, the last day for the month of June, which is Black Music Tribute Month. <laughs> Donald Trump proclaimed it on May the 29th of 2020. I forget that. So, what phase is the moon in tonight? It is called the waxing gibbous phase, and its illumination is 74%. Wow. It's not full moon yet, but we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Getting closer. So just wanted to share that in case anybody wanted to know. Again, the illumination is 74%. And the moon age, 9.72 days. Interesting. A lot to be said there. Well, everyone, I'm going to bid you adieu. Bonnie Nui, which is just saying good night. Till next time in French. And Warriors Queen, the mic is passed to you. How about Sage? And I just want to say to everybody, Donata Gahani, until next time, and Asta Inouye, good night. All right. Peace and blessings and help to all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.